0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you on a Wednesday, November 11th. Thank you all for joining us today to talk. About the Gamecocks, Bill Muschamp had his press conference yesterday, Carolina, playing Ole Miss Saturday night, 7.30, uh, E uh, SEC Network, for now, I uh, haven't heard anything about them moving the game around, so the network certainly could change because there's been some COVID uh, postponements uh, in the league, quite a bit actually, for this week, so it's going to be interesting to see how they end up working that out. Um, I think probably Alabama, LSU won't be played uh, unless they extend things, reschedule the championship games, whatever. Um, but it looks like COVID's hit some teams pretty hard, including Texas a and We played Carolina last week. But as of, um, you know, yesterday, there were no issues with Carolina in terms of going and playing in Oxford this weekend against the Rebels. Rebels were 11-and-a-half point favorites. That's up from seven. Um, so the line is moving in that direction. And look, I think that uh, that's bound to happen when you got some some turmoil going on. You got some speculation out there on social media uh, about a coaching change, which none of it was true in terms of uh, it being imminent and happening this week. Um, I think there was a guy that uh, claimed to be a, a reporter for the Knoxville News Sentinel. That I think somebody just made up a handle and. Uh, put some some picture there. I, I Googled that guy. I was like, I've never, I've never heard of this guy. Uh, and I don't know everybody, but I know a lot. And, uh, I never found a byline from the Knoxville news Sentinel for him, and he didn't show up on any of the people searches or anything. So I think that's a completely fake handle that, uh, somebody made up to get attention for themselves. So congratulations to whoever did that. That's I uh, hope. Uh, I hope you really feel good about, you know, uh, what, what, what's happened there? <laughs> I hope those 300 Twitter followers were, were, were worth it. Um, cause you sent a lot of people chasing things. Uh, so here's where we stand right now and I'm just going to break it down in terms of what's going on. Um, obviously I think South Carolina's at the point where unlike last year where, you know, things started going bad and people started griping and wanting change and rightfully so. Um, I think that the administration was just kind of like, well, wait a minute. Now, oh, you know, there, there was no plan to make a change no matter what. Um, and so it had to be addressed and, and it was, and it was quickly addressed. It was addressed during the season and, you know, everybody kind of rallied back and stay, you know, it was a terrible year. And they, they, they just decided not to change course and, you know, made some moves on the coaching staff and, um, kept going forward and and finished with a good recruiting class, whatever. You guys know the story. And, you know, so unlike last year, I think internally in the University of South Carolina, there is a, you know, there's more of a thing where a consensus saying if things don't change, there needs to be a change. Um, I do think strongly that, you know, inside the, the university, there there's people pulling for a big finish. Um, and, look, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with a big finish and, you know, a retention. I think that obviously there's some out there that are just done, and that's fine. I get it. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, you get to five and five um, and get to a bowl, you know, or even six and four, which would be even better because at that point you've beaten Georgia again, and that, that's always a big game, right? you know, um, you keep moving on because um, I think five and five is kind of the ceiling for this team this year. I think that you know if you if you get there then obviously that probably means one of the other quarterbacks came in and spurred a big finish. that always helps. Um, you know it means your defense is playing a lot better that you fix some of the problems that that you've got um, you know and so I I think that you know that's obviously, going to disappoint some folks out there who are just completely done right now and who have been done for a while, you know, but but that's kind of the hope I I think internally with the powers that be, because it it would be a lot easier, you know, if you have to make a change to make a change in a quote unquote normal year and not a COVID year uh, where you're looking at millions of dollars in lost revenue and all that. That said, I do think the Gamecocks are going to be able to come up with the money. I don't I don't think that's a, you know, South Carolina has boosters like everybody else. They don't have as many of these guys that can just like write checks for $20 million and stuff. But there are some out there, and there's a broad coalition of, of people that can donate. Um, I also think that, you know, when you look at it, you're going to take a hit. But, but as John Whittle pointed out, you know, with the buyout situation, specifically with Muschamp, you know, number one, he can negotiate it, they can negotiate it, and he can take a, a lump sum and be done with it, save the university some money. Um, <clears throat> number two, um, you know, there's mitigation and offset in the, uh, in the buyout, and so that means if Muschamp says, say he goes and Takes a coordinator job somewhere for one point two million in, in college football, two point five, something like that. You know, you could see you can see an LSU maybe jumping in and doing that, or, or Alabama if they, you know, if they part ways or whatever. Uh, going back to Alabama, reuniting with Nick Saban, uh, you know, then Carolina's off the hook for that money. You know, so so that's another thing to think about. <clears throat> um, even an NFL job. You know, you're still saving some money. All the assistant coaches are also, you know, required to go look for a job, and it's an automatic offset uh, in terms of what they make versus, you know, what Carolina has to pay out. So it's not as big of a number at the end of the day as maybe people think. You know, plus I think you have to consider this yeah, revenues down. Uh, There's been some promising news about a COVID vaccine. I think I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, I kind of feel like by the summer, you know, the country's going to be really getting back to normal, you know, especially if the vaccine works. And I'm sure they'll have a plan to distribute it and, you know, people will take it. I'm not saying COVID's going away, but I think that, you know, once people begin to get vaccinated and and it works and everybody's kind of, you know, not worried about getting sick, you're going to see crowds back at concerts and games and hope, you know, we all hope, Uh, and so I think the revenue is going to come back next year. And and here's the thing too, uh, is that a new coach, I think also, uh, helps South Carolina in terms of generating excitement, selling some of that premium seating they got sitting up there and all that. Uh, whereas I think, you know, without a coaching change, you're going to, you're going to take a hit on that stuff. So, you know, I think financially it's going to be there. And also keep in mind the Disney ESPN deal for the, the game of the week with the SEC that's now on CBS. Uh, that's supposed to be worth maybe an extra $30 million per school. And so that comes online here pretty soon. It was some, they were talking about it coming online, you know, this year because of uh, they were just going to buy CBS out of the contract and, and start rocking and rolling, but because of COVID – that obviously did not happen. The Walt Disney Company and ESPN have their own financial issues right now. But that won't last forever. Um, so I think when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, you're going to take a financial hit in the short term, but you should be able to make it back up in the long term. And it's not going to be as big of a hit as maybe you think. And obviously you're going to have money to hire another coach and all that. So that that's kind of where we stand. You know, and and I think the more this team goes out and does not perform well, the more likely it is that there's a coaching change. Um, you know, and and I I don't I don't know that Ole Miss is a Waterloo type deal where you know win or be fired on Sunday kind of deal, but but I think it's going to be absolutely not helpful if they go out there and get blown out, which they could do. Uh, I could also see a scenario where Ole Miss turns the ball over many many times and. Carolina can run it and stay on the field, and you know grind them down and win the football game. I, I, I can see a scenario where that happens too. I think you know Ole Miss on offense is awfully good. I think they got a lot of good skill. Uh, you know Matt Corral, their quarterback. He sometimes he's a turnover machine, uh, but he's kind of tough and gritty. Of standing there and throw it. Then they got the other quarterback, Plumley. That offense is basically a hybrid of you know Kiffin and Art Briles um they're they're their offensive coordinators kind of from the the Baylor coaching tree I think he's ourbros son-in-law you know so that 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 bunch is going to be hard to stop uh especially for this defense that's not really wanted to stop anybody the last couple of weeks for whatever reason so you know you kind of look at it that way you know we'll see what happens I know I'll be watching the game Saturday as always uh I just uh you know, it, it, it's not a situation where I think anybody needs to pull for a team to lose. Losing never helps so that, you know, if there is a coaching change, the more losses he inherits, the harder it's going to be to go out and recruit and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's a game that's it's certainly going to be interesting in terms of, you know, winning and losing and and all that. And, you know, even if they play it close and lose, it's still a loss and it's still a program that, you know, you beat two years ago that has a first-year coach. You know, they fired their coach last year after three years. Um, And and I said at the time, you know, these schools that made changes, we're we're going to have to see. You know, we're we're going to have to see, you know, sort of how those teams are working out versus Carolina and, and Vanderbilt that decided to not make a move. You know, and right now, you know, I know Mississippi State's gone in the tank. But, uh, you know, you look at Arkansas, you look at Missouri, you look at Ole Miss, you know, they've all had pretty good uh, moments this year. And uh, they look to be on the, the right track despite, you know, Ole Miss's record I think still two and four. But, you know, they they look to be moving in the right direction. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that that's kind of the deal right now is that, you know, don't – All all the Twitter reports about an inevitable firing and and even thinking it'll happen this week, that's not going to happen. It's, uh, you know, next week, I don't know, you know. Uh, But I think if they get blown out this weekend and you don't see a change during the week, during the season, then um, I think they'll wait till December after Kentucky or maybe right before, I don't know, you know, that said, even though publicly, you know, you, you, you don't, you know, you're not going to hear this information or whatever, you know, if things go South, they don't announce a change, don't have a press conference, don't fire people, whatever, uh, publicly, uh, there's always the way to kind of work it behind the scenes. And, you know, that, that happened, you know, Lou Holtz didn't resign, uh, from South Carolina uh, until the day after the Clemson game. but you uh, know, four, but everybody knew Spurrier was coming. So it was <laughs> except one guy. I remember one guy that had a website at the time. He Spurrier was a done deal and he got on sports talk and said, you know skip staying or I don't even remember who that was, but you know some guy that was a website reporter or whatever you know lose staying for year seven and skip's going to take over and all that. So that's, uh, I don't know, but Steve Spurrier, you know, came on and, and, and that was all true and that happened. And, you know, Mike McGee negotiated that behind the scenes. And, and I, I think too, you know, you can, you can kind of work it to a certain extent through agents and stuff like that and get it done. Um, I, I think that, uh, You know, with the early signing period, with the season being pushed back like it is, you know, you can't wait and just say, all right, it's December 6th. Let's go find a coach. You know, (laughs) I think you got to kind of go out and put out feelers and talk to some intermediaries and stuff when it becomes inevitable. I don't think you have to announce it um, publicly. So, so. Those of you out there that'll get frustrated about it, please, please understand that you know it's. Of course, you would like for you know uh, it to be announced publicly, <laughs> and so so you'll have peace of mind. But but please don't think that people are just sitting there doing nothing. I mean, that would be kind of malpractice if it was like, well, let's just go find a coach. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, I think that's uh, that's just one of those things, um. So that's where things stand. And, and, you know, I I know there's a lot of talk about a lot of different coaches, particularly Hugh Hugh Freeze, Billy Napier, and Shane Beamer. Those are the guys that have been mentioned the most. You know, I think uh, people would really get behind Freeze with with the exception of a few that are worried about his baggage. I don't know if South Carolina is going to be able to hire Hugh Freeze. Uh, I just, you know, if they wanted to. And I, I I feel like, based on some feedback I've gotten, that there's at least some support from the powers that be to maybe go in that direction. Um, I don't know how Ray Tanner feels about it. I don't know how Bob Caslin feels about it. Uh, you know, I, I don't uh, – there is kind of a pseudo-connection if you work your way up the food chain politically – from Caslin to McMaster to, you know, Liberty, um, you know, and that would be helpful with vetting, I suppose. Um, and, and so there's kind of a bucket there, I would guess. But, you know, I, I don't know how he feels about hiring freeze. I don't know about the board of trustees. You know, I would, I would imagine some are going to be a little squeamish, but I, I think that would be the case in a lot of places. And I'll say this too. It, you know, Hugh Freeze is going to get another SEC job. That's the bottom line, you know. Uh, South Carolina doesn't make a move on him here. Or let's say, I mean, he, he may not even, you know, this may be some kind of deal where his agent's floating his name out there. And, you know, well, let's see if South Carolina will bite. And, and then Liberty has so much money. They do have a lot of money. They're paying him $2.5 million that they say, all right, we'll pay you four. And you get another million and a half, and he sits there and waits on Auburn or Tennessee. You know, now do you wait on Tennessee? Uh, things are not going well <laughs> for Jeremy Pruitt. But, you know, what if Pruitt turns it around next year? There's no guarantee that job will open. Uh, there's never any guarantee Auburn will open at all. Um, <laughs> and, but there's never any guarantee Auburn won't open. So you got to think about that too, uh, if you're Hugh Freeze. So you know, would Texas be an option for him? So that's there's a lot of questions there. You know, it's not just as simple as go get it done. You know, there's obviously you know somebody somewhere connected with Freeze talking about him in the South Carolina job because I don't think you know the the Adam Rittenberg at ESPN or Tom Fernelli at CBS wrote that connecting him to the job based on you know, anybody at South Carolina. Uh, You know, I I think it's coming from the other direction, and and I've heard that too. And so that would be that, you know, just from a football standpoint, uh, that's the guy, you know, in my opinion, that if you want to knock it out of the park on this coaching hire, you want a guy that's a proven winner at every stop, that's always done, you know, more with less, you know, and and I'm just talking football here, just on-field results. You know, that's certainly a guy that can get it done, in my opinion. Um, now, the other stuff, who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, never was a big fan of the defiance at Ole Miss when when they kind of got busted, you know. And, and I think Free, Freeze was a little bit a part of that, but not much. But, um, you know, that's more of an institutional thing at Ole Miss, I think, in my opinion. Um. I think, you know, Hugh Freeze is a hell of a football coach, and I think that just like everybody, he's made some mistakes in life, but he's probably a good person. I don't know him. He's one of the few people I don't I don't really know, never met. So uh, that's that. You know, Billy Napier is a name that's been thrown around. We all remember Billy from his days at Furman as the quarterback and assistant coach at Clemson. Before Clemson was really what Clemson is now. You know, he was one of those guys that was able to go and get guys. You know, I mean, go and get a – help get a C.J. Spiller. Um, You know, he recruited in-state. Really tough for the Gamecocks to recruit against. Um, Probably did do some negative recruiting at the time with the Gamecocks. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that's – you know, since he's left Clemson, been at Alabama under Nick Saban, uh, went to Arizona State under Todd Graham, and those are two very different styles of coaches. Uh, and then he, I think he's working on his third straight division, if he can win it, at the Sunbelt, third straight Sun Belt Championship game down at Louisiana. So as a head football coach, you know, you do have now going on three years worth of winning and winning championships. And so, you know, that, that says something, in my opinion you know, about winning championships. I don't – you know, he's got a lot of crossover with Muschamp in terms of assistant coaches because they both were with Saban. Um, You know, I'm not sure what he would do defensively uh, as far as D coordinator goes, but I think they'd probably have a pretty good one. Um, And uh, I think he keeps some guys on staff. You know, Des Kitchens is a guy from Furman that, uh, you know – he was uh, – all right, <clears throat> so there was all that. So going through the candidates, all that good stuff, we can, we can always go back through that. But uh, I do understand that, heck, uh, you know, the, the, there needs to be somebody, if a change is made, in my opinion, that the, the fans can rally around. Whether that's right away, you know, you, you'd rather win ball games than the press conference. Uh, or soon, you know, if they win the press conference and ball games, even better. Because there's a lot of division right now, but and a lot of skepticism, and you know, people just aren't happy, rightfully so. I've been through a lot. Uh, it's just been one disappointment after another, and you know, here we go again. South Carolina beats Auburn for the first time since the '30s, and then it's been the two worst weeks back to back of the Will Muschamp era. <laughs> So figure that out. You know, they're getting blown out all of a sudden. i um, going to get to some mailbag questions. Uh, there are two ways to get in the mailbag. First and foremost, you can tweet to at the Big Spur pod, and we like that. Um, we like to do that. So it's uh, – here we go. Tweet to at the Big Spur pod. And um, – You can also email insidethegamecocks at gmail.com. All right, Randy says, I've been a fan of the pod since before. I was Joe the policeman on That's My Mama, Randy Watson. I appreciate your optimism that there's a sliver of hope that we can turn it around, but we both agree that's unlikely. I do. Looking at the future, who would your top three choices for our next head coach be? Yeah, probably some of the names out there. Uh, I will get into all of that when it's time. Um, I'll say this. I, I think as far as football goes, I, I think Hugh Freeze fits, well, checks a lot of boxes. Um, I think Billy Napier is a good young up-and-coming coach. Obviously would be very familiar uh, with the program and, and the area. Uh, could put together good staff. And, you know, I think Shane Beamer is another guy familiar with the program. Could put together good staff. Uh, he he's a guy, too, though, that you, you're going to have to, you know, sort of project a little bit because, you know, he doesn't have a record like those other two guys have. So that's it. Um, all right, Jordan Flowers says, has there been a full-time starting quarterback in the 21st century that Colin Hill is better than? For reference, Petty. No, not better than Petty. Corey Jenkins, yes, as a quarterback, better. Don Pinkins. I'd say probably the same. Savelle Newton, no. <clears throat> Blake Mitchell. I, I think Colin Hill's actually a lot like Blake Mitchell. But but you can't I, I can't sit there and say that Blake Mitchell, like with Blake Mitchell's production, and you compare it to Colin Hills. So give that to, to Blake Mitchell. Same with Chris Smelly, although uh, you know, I think Colin's got better tools than Smelly. No way on Garcia, no way on Connor Shaw, no way on Dylan Thompson, Perry orth. It's debatable, Jake Bentley, no way uh and then Holinsky. obviously he was better than Helensky at the beginning of the year, and uh, I do think it's time for a change, and we'll see how much better Ryan does uh Jordan says I'm willing to concede there's at least an argument on some uh he's good or better than some of Eric Kimry, Antonio Hefner, yeah. Tommy Beecher, absolutely. Jim McElwain, yeah. And Michael Skarnack, yeah You know, with Michael Skarnakia, yeah, you just never know. Because, you know, he he had the one game and he hit his checkdowns. He did a lot, you know, uh, who were never full-time started to get it one start. For the record, Tony said Hill probably isn't better than any of those guys. I, John Whittle and I disagree with that, you know, as far as, you know, that goes. And I think a lot of it's debatable, you know. Uh, And and I think that a lot of it is the intense focus on the last two weeks, you know. So, we'll see kind of, you know, what happens. So, uh, yeah, another SEC football game, Georgia at Missouri got postponed. Why can't – Missouri keeps having COVID issues. Um, So, now all we got this weekend is Vandy at Kentucky at noon, Arkansas at Florida at 7. That's going to be an interesting game. Uh, And then Carolina will Miss at 7.30. So we'll see kind of what happens uh, with that, but yeah, Jordan. You know, look, I, 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 I'm 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 going to say Colin Hill's had two back to back terrible games, and a change needs to be made. As far as debating if he's better than this guy or that guy, I mean, uh, that's kind of hard to get into. Like I said, I think ta- I think you know, skill set wise, he's a lot like Blake Mitchell, but you, you can't with a straight face sit there and look at his. You know, six games he started, and then look at what Blake did, you know, and say, Oh, well, you know, same guy. You know, you just can't do that. I mean, it was a, if number one, Blake's running a different system with different receivers and, you know, all kinds of different guys around him than, you know, what Colin has. Colin probably has better running backs than Blake had, to be honest, and he has a better offensive line, but nowhere near the receivers that, that Blake had. You know so that that's a good but you know some of these guys you mentioned though Hefner Beecher McIlwain I I mean I think it's pretty clear Colin Hill's better than those guys so we'll see kind of what happens but Jordan thank you for your tweet question that's always awesome and again tweet to at the big spur pod or um and go follow that account by the way it's pretty good uh, or you can email to the inbox. The inbox was full yesterday, right? And so uh, I waited on some. And uh, so here we go. Start off with Thomas. Thomas had an issue with the tight ends. Uh, he said, I may not have explained my tight end point well enough. I get that Bobo wants guys like McBride and that we're supposedly changing that approach of recruiting. My point was the more that you've mentioned how they kind of fell in love with the Casey Crosby type and recruit a bunch of guys like that. That would fit the role. If them doing so, that somewhat mirrors what you said about BMAC looking for the demo types of receivers. My question was, why do we go after BMAC for doing that at wide receiver but seem to be accepting it for the tight end position? We don't go after BMAC for doing that at wide receiver. I said that's one thing that was a flaw, uh, you know, because he recruited guys that couldn't play. I mean – and then shouldn't Bentley be getting some of the heat for not taking various types of tight ends that could do different things? No, no, he shouldn't. And by the way, it's not like he didn't take, know, this is stupid. I mean, this is just, this is the, again, this is one of the most ridiculous hypothetical, you know, gotcha type of questions that, that, that you typically send and you know, you, you know what the deal is. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you take Travion Kenyon, He's 6'4", 250, Supposed to be an inline guy. You take Keyshawn Ke- Tony. He's an h back guy. You know, Keyvion Mullins was recruited as a receiver. They had to move him in. Okay. I mean, I just you know, I think you're. I think what you're doing, you know, because you know, you're you're trying to stir the pot. You want to criticize Bobby Bentley for things that you know are ridiculous. Um, and, and don't forget Bobby Bentley was not the full-time tight ends coach, you know, and, in his, you know, when he was there, you know, actually he didn't even sign Kenyon and Tony that was Pat Washington. Uh, he signed Eric Shaw and Jaheim Bell. So when those guys aren't good, you know, we're down the road and they're, they're both bad. Then you can come back and say, you know, Bobby Bentley's doing something wrong. Okay. This is stupid. Next is on fixing the O. Oh, the going narrative is that they fix the play caller. The current problem is the lack of talent, especially at the skilled positions. Muschamp, as has been reported, approves all takes in recruiting. So are we to believe that the fix is to allow Muschamp to approve more takes when that is directly connected to why we have the roster and lack of talent we currently have? I think that uh, you guys got to go sign good players. I think, you're look, again, you're looking into something like it's an assembly line because you don't understand the process. And, and so your idea of what actually is happening is not nearly as, you know, cut and dry as you think. Muschamp does approve all takes because he's the recruiting coordinator and the head coach. But it, it's not like, you know, I And mean, they kind of do it as a team, you know. So if you've got a guy bringing you better players and you're approving better players, then then that's, you know, you're going to reap the benefit of that and also catch the criticism. I don't even know why we're talking about this. Because unless there's a miracle turnaround, this is all irrelevant to anything. The carry and joiner seems to have regressed at wide receiver. Ward is last year he was hurt, which hinders his play. He's supposedly healthy this year and seems no better at all. Well, that hindered his – nobody ever said it. I mean, I didn't. I don't know what anybody else has said, what you've heard. I never said it hindered his play. I said it hindered his speed in the open field. Though in the fact that we're supposed to have an OC that can find creative ways to get playmakers in space. It's even more baffling that he's not a bigger contributor. Is this a Joe Cox thing? Um, no, it's a DeGarrian Joiner thing. He's not open. Can't get open. Period. Is this a Joe Cox thing? What are you talking about? This is the worst. This is literally the worst email I've ever gotten on the podcast. If the NCAA allows a one-time free transfer, then I can see where you're going with the mass exodus. Assuming we stuck with Muschamp, T-Rob, and Bobo for at least one more season because of that? No. (laughs) No. I don't think you're going to have – I never said you're going to have a mass exodus. I mean, especially in the last few weeks, I actually don't think it's going to be that bad. I do think it could be worse than it normally is. But keep in mind, too, when Muschamp took over, 22 guys left the program. And just to show you how bad the roster was at that point, I think only four of them even played college football again. So, so there you go. But no, and, and stop. I mean, you know, it's always these little emails you send and you post on the message board too, and it's like a little sneaky. Oh, uh, this, the, and you make things up that we say and you insinuate that I say it, and, and it, it just ticks me off because it's not what I've said. And I'm sorry if you don't understand and comprehend what I'm saying. Maybe I need to do a better job. But, you know, th- this is – never once did I ever insinuate that they need to stick with the coaching staff that's that's utterly failing right now because there's going to be a mass exodus of players. Now, some people said that last year. You know, when I was sitting there saying, you know, make a change. I think you need to consider making a change. Other people – People that have, you know, that do what I do, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it, you know. I think that was part of the administration's thing. Well, fine. But you never, ever, ever stick with a, a coaching staff just based on what could be in recruiting and the fear that players will leave because, you know, you're just you're not getting any better. Do you think South Carolina's better than they were two years ago? No. So there we go. Come on, Thomas. Send me a better email than that. Joseph says, Joe says, thanks for responding to my previous mailbags. After the blowout, I honestly have nothing more to say about Will Muschamp or the decisions to have put us in back-to-back embarrassing losses where we look like an FCS team. I want to think of a brighter day when Muschamp is gone. First, I want to say I know you think it's probably a bad proposal, but but I've heard you explain you think our program needs to go with an offensive coach. Somebody hadn't been fired and someone without much head coaching experience. No, no. I'm going to go I'm going to go drop back. I'm first of all, offensive coach has never been a huge priority. Um I think that would get people more excited. South Carolina's never been good when they haven't been able to play defense. But in today's game if you go with a defensive coach, you know, you have to have Look at look at Georgia right now, man, with you know, arguably the second best roster in the country against Florida, which has good players, but really – I mean, they don't recruit in the top five like Georgia. And you see what that offensive uh, genius can do for you. You know, so so I, I think if you're going to be offensive – I mean, you know, if you're going to go with the offensive coach, he's got to understand defense. Or if you go with the defensive coach, he's got to understand offense. I don't know that Kirby does. Number two, someone who hasn't been fired. Yeah, someone that's got – hadn't been fired for losing, you know, or – three, potentially someone without much head coaching experience. Yeah, because if you go in that way, you don't have the 20, 21 losses that Will had at Florida hanging around your neck. And that, But that's not to say that even if he didn't have that coming in, that there wouldn't be a change right now because clearly things have regressed. So what about Joe Brady, passing game coordinator for the Panthers? You know, And Joe goes on and explains, we could take a page from the NFL. Uh, hiring Joe Brady could be successful with a strong supporting cast experienced battle-tested coordinators. I think Joe would call his own plays, uh, experienced proven defensive coordinator like the Barry Odom hire for Arkansas. What are your thoughts? I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I actually think hiring Joe Brady would probably be a kind of a – that could be a big-time hire. I mean, you know, he's just one of those guys that's been very successful – uh, you know, kind of came, came out of nowhere last year at LSU. I think he's doing a really good job with the Panthers this year. I think he's going to get an NFL job though. But, you know, to me, you know, you want to talk about uh, Joe Brady being the coach at Carolina. I don't know who wouldn't get behind that. I just, I just, you know, I just don't know if that would be a legitimate guy. I haven't heard anything about it. You know, Noah said, and Noah says, Noah's email here is Joe Brady. Keep up the great work on the podcast. It was great for listening when I run. Congratulations for running. I saw an article this week that mentioned Joe Brady as a potential candidate for the job if Muschamp is fired. I thought it was a bit absurd since Joe Brady would likely be a head coach in the NFL within a year or two. Is there any reason for an up-and-coming coordinator like Brady to take a college job when he can get an NFL job soon? Well, I mean, I, you know, where does he want to be a head coach? And I am uh, – I'm Googling that right now because I want to see exactly where this was. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Nah, I don't, I don't even see it. Um, so you may have read it like, you know, you, you may have read it on one of those blogs or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not doubting you saw the article. Uh, but, yeah, dude, look, if, if they can go hire Joe Brady, I, I think that would be a a potentially big-time hire. You know, like the previous emailer mentioned, you'd have to have a staff. Uh, I think he can get kids excited about playing for him, especially on offense. Um, young guy, you know, has the pedigree. Confident guy, good leader. Um, yeah, I'd have no problem with Joe Brady. I just, you know, I don't know that that's his – You you know and look you know let's say let's say the magic has left Coach O and and they they continue to struggle this year and then they have a just a like a seven win bounce back next year and then the next year he he has a year that they should be good but they only win six or seven you know he Joe Brady could get LSU so. I I don't know. I I think I think that's just one of those things where does he want to come down I 77 and play for South and coach South Carolina? Well then if he does, I think you gotta give him a strong look. But if he doesn't, you know, don't be don't be upset, you know, because I think this guy's got a lot of options. But big Joe Brady fan. Have no idea how he'll recruit, have no idea what kind of staff he put together. I just have a lot of faith in him as a coach. And I think he's gonna be a great one. Uh, Hudson says, shop talk. What's up, JC? Fortunately for me, I was at a wedding Saturday night, so I didn't get to watch the debacle of an A&M game. Never thought I'd be happy to be at a wedding during ball season. That's sad. That's the saddest email I've gotten, you know, as far as just – and I'm not talking about sad like Thomas's email. Uh, I'm talking about sad like, you know, just emotionally sad. Anyway, this feels like the end for Muschamp. Is this the end for Muschamp? I don't know. I, I you know, it's it's football. Um, stranger things have happened. They were going to beat Ole Miss, Missouri, and Kentucky to finish five and five. Which I think, and this is not my opinion that you know, I I don't have an opinion really about if they finish five and five. I could I could really see it go both ways. Um, but I don't I don't think there's any way in heck to – Anyway, in hell, really, the, the the administration fires him if he gets finishes three and one and gets back to a bowl. Um and I can see that both ways, real, you know, really. Um and, and look, two weeks ago beating Ole Miss Missouri and Kentucky didn't sound too daunting. Now it's it'd be I'd, I'd be I'd be shocked. You know, I, I think this team's probably gonna win one more game. Tops. With the way they're playing, tops. I don't think there's a great chance of victory this weekend. I've I've gone out, you know, with the scenarios because I I do have scenarios, and you know, some of you need to realize that there are scenarios. I know you don't want to hear those, but there are scenarios, and that's that's kind of the way things work. Until it happens, everything's just a potential or scenario. Um, I do think that there's a scenario where he does, you know, finish out good. So I can't say for sure. Um, Can we afford to fire him at this point? Hudson says yes. Um, Yes and no. And I went through all that. I mean, I I do think with the way you can mitigate things down and save money, it's not that big 13 million plus, you know, you can get it down a little bit, uh, a little bit there. Thanks for doing the show. Even when times are bad, this is as worse as they've been. I'm sure it isn't much fun, but there isn't much to be positive about. No, uh I, I'll tell you what what it feels like right now from my end is I feel <sighs> suffocated, I guess, you know, with with the with the whole thing. It it's a smothering type of feeling watching this football team and following this program right now. Um it's tough. I mean, even after the Auburn win, you know, usually it's like all right, they've turned it around and you know. All I could really say was there was an opportunity, and I, I, I sort of felt like they'd probably go down them, not beat LSU. I didn't think they'd lose 52-24. Um, but he says, appreciate all you do, sir. Hudson, I really appreciate the uh, email. Thank you, buddy. Hudson has another one. JC, thank you for mentioning the kid from Saluda that, in my opinion, should have at least received an offer. Me too. I'm from Saluda and watched it for years. He's an incredible talent. His name is Dalen Wright. I I should have written his name down before I talked about him, but I I didn't couldn't get to the database that fast. Uh, can't believe have didn't offer him. Watching him from the sidelines at the state championship last season, when he had over four touchdowns, 150 receiving yards. Anyway, no question today. Just glad to hear you bring up a deserving kid. Yeah, see that kid's going to go to Virginia Tech, which is why Virginia Tech wins. They find guys like that. Beamer did, and Fuente did it at Memphis which is why Fuente was a good hire for them, I thought at the time. Don't know if he'll work out. And those of you that, uh, you know, want to you know have an opinion either way on Shane Beamer, I think that if Justin Fuente doesn't work out at Virginia Tech and Shane Beamer does not get South Carolina, we will all be able to find out the answers to those questions at some point soon. Um, I don't know that Fuente is getting fired, though. I think he's, you know, he's hanging in there doing a pretty good job. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you let Virginia Tech come in there. You don't even look at him, you know. Again, BMAC was still the receiver's coach at the time. They went with Jakari Caldwell, which who I think is going to be probably pretty good. But, you know, you looked at right on film and you were like, holy crap, he's really explosive and really good. Little old saluda. So um, that's another sad email for a third sad email. You know, they're sad the Thomas way. They're sad the Hudson way, and then they're sad that way. Yes, said JC from John. Yesterday you said who could have predicted our receivers would be this bad. Many people, though, expressed those concerns about the receiver cores over the offseason and training camp on message boards. Uh, look, n- n- nobody thought they would be this this bad. Okay. I also think it wasn't too hard to predict the group would be terrible if you looked at our roster and the lack of production returning. Well, I don't think you look at the lack of production when you're trying to figure anything out. I think you look at the talent and and you assume some level of, you know, improvement. Otherwise, you know, if you were just looking at production, you'd have seen Pharaoh Cooper caught six passes in 2013 and comes up the next year and catches 69. I mean – Guys get better. Just look at the last few games when Edwards went down for proof. Oh, proof. That group would struggled to get it done on game day. So, so you, John, this means that nobody ever gets better. And, and I just don't believe that because that's not the case in football. Obviously, the receiving corps be- is not good. Like Xavier Leggett should be better, right? You know? De'Kerry Joyner should be better. Rico Powers by game six should be better. I'm not convinced some of these guys are completely healthy either. Because we we hadn't seen them. We had Shai Smith, who we didn't know would be a number one guy. Turns out he's really stepped up. See, guys get better. After that, it is a dumpster fire. Guys did not get better. We brought in a transfer from D2, and he's looked lost in the two games he's played and three different quarterbacks playing receiver. Uh, Joiner, Ulrich, Doty. Doty's not playing receiver anymore. Ulrich isn't even on the roster as a player anymore. So there's one quarterback playing receiver. In your opinion, why exactly are the receivers this bad? Because Brian McClendon didn't recruit well, and they've had injuries. And I, but I don't even know if those guys were hurt would have been good. Um, I look at a team like Missouri who has less touted guys at the position as we do, but they still have a couple of options to get production from. Yeah. That's why you don't pay attention to star ratings. It's about the right guys. And South Carolina did not get the right guys at receiver. Can you speak what needs to happen for that group to be productive? Also your opinion of Joe Cox, is he in over his head or is it truly a lack of talent he's dealing with? And he's actually able to get the job done in time. You know, a lot of people think a lot of Joe Cox, I'll reserve judgment on that. Um, but these guys haven't gotten any better, you know, are they just that bad? Maybe, but I think if some of them are just that bad, you probably need to move them to defensive back. You know, we, we just had to talk about the and Joyner. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know, probably he needs to get the ball from scrimmage and maybe move him to a, a running back type position. Maybe switch him as a wide wideout. They don't they, – this staff, though, Champ and get those folks, they don't make – like Spurrier and Holtz would move guys. To, they'd be like, all right, you're moving to defensive back this week. You know, they'd move guys around and, and try to piece it together in season. These guys – I mean, Muschamp just absolutely has not done that. Has not. You know, he doesn't seem willing to do it. P.S. Praise the Lord. It looks like Muschamp may be heading out the door. Yeah, I know. Then I don't have to answer questions like this. Bonus question. How would you feel if someone hated you so much? They paid you for $13, 13 million to leave because you sucked at your job. Well, John, you know, hate and sucked at your job. I mean, obviously, he's not getting it done. I don't know if anybody hates Will Muschamp. Um, I think it's strong. But – how would you feel if if you got 13 million to leave because you failed at your job? I'd have mixed feelings. Uh, and I think some of these coaches probably do too. Uh, I think, I think with Muschamp, he's not going to feel too good because he's a competitor and you know, this is the second one where he hadn't gotten it done. Um, you know, but he's going to be able to take care of his family and, you know, if Will wants to go coach in the NFL or, you know, coach a smaller program as a head coach in college, or if somebody wants to take that chance, and or if somebody wants to hire him as a DC, um, or heck, I think the guy could go into TV. People people get pissed off about his press conferences and stuff, but he's kind of a funny guy, and he knows the game. You know, so you imagine as a color commentator or something like that. I think the guy could be good, but you know, as I said. As a person and a human being and a competitor, man-to-man, I feel bad for anybody that doesn't get it done at their job because that's that's your pride and that's, that's your life, and it hurts. But I don't, like, consider it a human tragedy anymore when coaches get fired and get, you know, um, eight figures walking out the door um, and Jimmy Sexton gets another cut. You no, know, I, 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 there, there's no with the way people struggle these days with their job, and I'm a capitalist. Don't get me wrong; I'm not hating on them uh, for making that much money. I'm not hating on anybody for making as much money as they possibly can. This is America, but I'm not going to feel sorry for anybody. I don't be like, oh my God, you know, I'm so bad. No, you know, it's you know, people that walk away with that kind of money, they can. They can go get a private jet and head to Tahiti for two weeks, and and forget about it, and have a few cocktails, and come back refreshed, and and figure out what's next. Because you got the financial resources, unlike the guy that, you know, gets fired. He's a restaurant manager that gets fired during COVID because the, his state keeps shutting down his restaurant or his bar, and he's got to go deliver DoorDash. You know, because he's got to make ends meet because he's got a wife, two kids at home, and rent. I'm going to, as a human being, you know, feel sorrier for that person, you know. But but, but as far as, like, you know, do, do I hate it when anybody that I, I like and respect, you know, fails at something that they wanted to succeed in? Yes. Do I feel sorry for these coaches that walk away with those months? No, I don't. If anybody, I feel sorry for the assistants who are all on one-year contracts, and they have families, too. They don't get the, the golden parachute, most of them. So that's my thing. Uh, but, John, you know, I, I I think the receivers, that was one thing during preseason that I sort of – I overshot because – I and all I said, I was very cautious with how I said it, but I, I said it like this. I said, I'm not as concerned as maybe I once was. Um, And I just heard some good things coming out of camp and – Obviously, uh, Jalen Brooks is really good in practice. Uh, And and you can kind of tell, too, that it's spotlights getting to him because, you know, like he was open the other night, he'll hit him in the hands. You know, good enough, he's good enough to get open, right? Just probably not ready for primetime. I have no doubt Xavier Leggett's good in practice, you know. And I think that's a microcosm of the entire must-champ era. Because there's practice, and, and then you see these guys go to the NFL that have played for the Gamecocks, and they're performing at a high level individually. And you hear NFL people talk about guys, and, and you, you individually have this guy, and you, and you recruit these guys, and you look at their measurables, and, and, you, and you look at how they play when they're not at South Carolina, whether in high school or in the pros. And, and, and it's the same thing happened at Florida. And you just kind of look at it, and you wonder what the hell the deal is. You know, why does it? Why is it like that when they get to the games? I have no idea. That's the white whale of all this, folks. And all of you guys could email me, you know, theories about it. And and I bet, you know, if if I went through ten of them, uh, probably eight of them will have already been shot down by multiple people that have played for, coached with, uh, no, Will Muschamp. You know, is it this? No, is it that? No, I've asked from here to eternity, and I know of loads of people that know him, worked with him. You know, from Texas to Baton Rouge to Gainesville to the—I mean, I, I know a lot of people that you know know him. Nobody can figure it out, and I, I think I think at this point he probably wishes somebody could figure it out for him. You know, why does it? Why does this not transition? uh and it's just it's just crazy and and I thought that you know at the the beginning it was it was a good start um you go back to that game against Florida and that 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 turned the whole thing around that was just that was he and must have upset after the game it was a devastating loss and it was cuz after that buddy everything went south i'm not saying if they win that one things are different but they went south, and then all of a sudden you got two games in Charlotte where it went from promising to sinking quickly. You know, that, that, that blown lead at Florida was like, it was like falling down an elevator shaft. Let's so say the elevator cables break. That, that loss at Florida was the first cable breaking, and you fall down a couple floors. And then the Virginia-North Carolina back-to-back, and, and, and it wasn't just the Virginia. The Virginia loss everybody could have lived with. It wouldn't have even been a a cable breaking or it would have even shaken the elevator had that just been what happened. That's a bowl game. But you put those two losses to ACC Coastal teams back-to-back in Charlotte on the board and lost to North Carolina since 1991. You go on, you lose to App State in the year where you beat Georgia. I mean, come on, man. I mean, there's, there's something to all this. And it could be a 30 for 30 one day. I promise. You know, and you ask me, yeah, Missouri finishes 34th in the country in recruiting. I think every year. They, they literally finish 34th in recruiting three straight years. That's hard to do. But they went out and evaluated guys. It's not that hard at receiver. Look, look at the receivers that were three star guys that have come through Carolina and had big careers. You know, I mean, we talked about that kid that went to Salute that was from Saluda that went to Virginia Tech. I'm curious as heck to see what kind of career he has up there. And, and, and Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee, and the kid that uh, that from uh, Woodland that went to Virginia that was catching passes at six five. Uh, you know, you go through all that. Um, you know, I mentioned Zay Flowers at Boston College. He's not from South Carolina, but he's from Fort Lauderdale and played for Arturo Freeman. And, you know, Arturo was kind of saying, hey, guys, if you, if you take this kid, you know, he'd love to come. You got to fly over Columbia to get to Boston from, from South Florida. You know, so, so, so that's why there's – I mean, it's not the, – the, getting receivers at South Carolina is not rocket science. Lou Holtz had good receivers. You know, Brad Scott had good receivers. You know, this is probably as bad as it's ever been. You just have shy, you know, and, and some guys that for some reason can't step up. Why is they? You know, somebody tell me where Xavier Leggett it is. Somebody tell me where, I mean, you know, and how does he get worse? I don't know. I don't know. John, thanks for your email. Boy, this is a, Heck of a deal here. Mitchell says, What happens after you get off the pot? Reference to last (laughs) week's email. I said, (laughs) Because he said, Pooper, get off the pot, win. And I agreed. JC, it dawned on me that USC's president is a three star general, someone that doesn't blink at difficult situations and has experience in assessing important factors in a situation that yield a positive outcome. He has been through a coaching change before. You've covered college football for years, and know the landscape better than I do, and how these things can go down successfully. I have, have a series of questions, if you would oblige me. Yes, Mitchell, that's no problem. Do you see a way Muschamp does not get fired within the next three months? The only way is a big finish, and I don't see that happening. I'm not trying to lose faith on anybody out there, but I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be a clown if I sat here and says, "Hey, Gus, well, you're gonna finish." You know, 4 <laughs> that, that, that You guys need to turn off the radio right then. If yes, how much of a role do you think Caslin will play? Probably a little more than Pastides did. I would hate to see us make a knee-jerk decision without a thoughtful plan given all the variables with making a coaching change in 2020. I agree and I think they're they're figuring it out right now. How does Caslin get on the same page as the BOT on how to move forward? The BOT needs to sign and approve the contract. (laughs) Uh, You know, in my opinion, that that body, you know, the best thing they can do for South Carolina is to approve the contract and sign off on it. Let Caslin and Tanner and a committee or a search firm, you know, whoever's making the, the call here this time, do their job and let those guys on the bot, you know, give their input because they're not all bad guys. But, but but they they need to say, all right, good good and go get a good coach, and we'll back you up. Fire Tanner if so. When I don't, you know, see, I, I think all these people this Tanner things are red herring. People are mad at Tanner because football's struggling and he hired the coach. So they want him accountable and all that. Um, and I think Ray probably does need, you know maybe a little bit different approach the next time, you know, he hires a coach, but at the same time, I I think he made the right decision last time. When you consider the other guys that were in the mix. Um, if you, if you, if everybody's dead set on getting rid of Ray, you know, you fix football first and then you transition him out fire must champ. And that, that's it. Transition him out after you fix football, fire Tanner, Win when? when you fix football, after you fix football, fire must champ now or at the end of the year if now who's the interim coach and why uh, i i think it's probably end of the year but you never know if something else embarrassing like ball game wise happens um mike bobo's pro- mike bobo would probably be the interim coach he has you know he has head coaching experience in college so does wolford and so does bobby bentley but i think it'd probably be bobo um how could each of these decisions affect transfers? Uh, Tanner, don't know. Um, Must champ. Like I said, there'll probably be some, but I don't I don't think I ever said even recently that I think the, the roster is going to be gutted or if I was jumping up and down saying, you know, keep the guy because all these players will leave. You know, I, I think it'll be a normal, you know, a normal attrition and, you know, like I said, Muschamp. During the first year and a half, they were there. at Twenty-two guys leave. You know, so that Spurrier had a lot of guys he he got rid of. So so that's that there. Um, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can base anything on that. And and the other thing with the new transfer rule is nobody knows. You could see a lot of guys leave, even if Muschamp stayed you know cuz it, it just may end up being where there's a little bit of free agency in college football now that happens every offseason and that works both ways how could transfers be managed in a best case scenario you lose a guy you need to replace him and and hopefully if you got a new coach you can replace him with somebody better and that you know it, it's it's a mystery to me though cuz i you know quite frankly i don't know how good some of these guys are but i don't know that i don't know how good they could be somewhere else either you know I mean, let's take a guy like – ah, heck, give me me somebody that that I I like. Let's take a guy like Johnny Dixon. Promising player. Has had a good second season in the program, right? You know, um, I don't know if you can't go out and get a guy that, based on first two seasons, hadn't played a little better than Johnny Dixon to replace Johnny Dixon if he left. But then again, I don't know how much better Johnny Dixon is going to be performing and, and, and what kind of defense he's going to be a part of if he goes elsewhere, you know. And, and the crazy thing about that is I, I think that really has nothing to do with his development as a player or the, the, the ability of Muschamp to develop individual players. That's just kind of how guys perform within the, the scope of the team. So it's very, very, you know, it's going to be very fascinating. I'm going to have a lot to write about and talk about if this happens, guys. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned. Will a search firm be used? Yeah, Ray used one last time. I was kind of against it because I think the search firm sort of screwed him at the end with all those token interviews that, you know, the Greg Chianos of the world, uh, and that stuff started getting out. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. but um. I think you got to use one now just for vetting. And, and if, look, if they go with Hugh Freeze, you, you need a thorough vetting there of him. <laughs> Cause you don't want something else to pop up. And, and, and honestly, if you go like Mike Gundy's name's been floating around, I don't know if that's, I'm, I'm, I'd say, you know, less than 5% chance that Mike Gundy ends up coaching anywhere, but you know, Oklahoma state, they say he's not happy or whatever, but you know, with, with the way, Everybody came down on him with some comments he made during COVID about the money running through Oklahoma. And then he had the One American News shirt on. There's going to be people out there, like little little guys that uh, pretend to cover football nationally. <laughs> there's going to be guys that don't like him politically that are going to dig. So if there's something else in Gundy's past, you know, it's it's going to come up. Because these guys are—they're already digging because they, they want to get him. I don't know that there is. I think Mike Gundy just runs his mouth and is a conservative, <laughs> a heavily heavy conservative, uh, which is fine because I don't—I don't—you know—I don't know that, you know, uh, you know—I don't know that we should be using people's politics to decide whether or not to hire them. Um, that said. Um, I would rather not that – I would rather that not be out in the open just because, you know, that could be used against you in recruiting, um, which is unfortunate, but it happens. But, yeah, so back to that, will a search firm be used? Yeah, I hope so, because you've got to vet these guys. And, 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 that's primarily what that's for. It's also to reach out, plausible deniability, all that good stuff. Will this be a good year for available coaching talent? It's Twice as good as it was in 2015, I'll tell you that right now. 2015 was kind of a weird year. And so, uh, you know, I think it's twice as good. What factors are important uh, in Caslin in conveying a plan of how BOT interacts with boosters? Um, are you talking about, like, BOT taking their complaints? They already do. All those guys already know each other, man. I mean, the the the, the sports people on the BOT, they know all the money people. and Some of them are the money people, so... You know, I I don't think it's going to be. I think the factors are, you know, let's not have four different BOT members, you know, quoted in the newspaper saying four different things like they had last year. I think that's what's important. Yo, this is from Derek. The current buyout is getting a lot of attention, deservedly so. How about future buyouts? Will schools finally come to their senses, or agents continue to win the tug of war. Do you see a coaching target of ours saying no the job if we hold firm on of, of not offering a buyout? Well, Derek, I don't think that I don't think they're not going to offer a buyout. <laughs> that that's just saying no buyout either way is 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 crazy um, because the buyout also protects the school to a certain extent. Um. Do I think maybe they will think twice before giving a extension and all that stuff? Uh, you know, I, I think that the longer you're out of school, the, the lower the buyout needs to be, even if you get an extension. You don't need to restore it back up. Um, at the same time, if you're worried about losing a, a coach, you know, that, that that kind of protects both sides. Um I think what you got to look at is what, what's going to happen with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. I mean, I mean, he's he's obviously doing a good job this year, and they're going to win and they get in the playoff. Uh, but, you know, let's say that thing gets into year four, five, six, and it's it goes bad. And A&M's on the hook for, what, 30 $40 million. You know, those types of contracts like that, you know that that may cause some people to rethink it. I think COVID will too, to a certain extent. But you know, Carolina hires somebody. I'll tell you, the, the the buyouts after years one, two, and three are going to be steep. That's just common, uh, and you got to do that to get anybody good. Now, do I think that in the middle of it, you're, you're going to be quick to, you know, not only extension but restore everything? No, I, I think I think it's okay to add years to a contract. I don't think it's okay. And I I think what you got to do is say, okay, but your buyout's no longer the life of the contract. It goes down to like 5 million or whatever you get 5 million to go away. But you know, yeah. And, and absolutely. If you, if you just, if you go the university of South Carolina is no longer paying any buyouts to anyone, then you're not going to get anybody to come coach here. Nobody. So uh, that's kind of the deal with that. But, you know, I think you raise a great point here, Derek, as far as the buyouts and college football salaries in general. And I I went through it that it's hard for me to feel sorry for people that are getting that kind of money to walk away from their job, uh, and so uh, I'm right there with you. I think that's uh, that's something that college sports needs to kind of look at. And you know, I don't mind people making a t- making as much money as they want to, but but like the the buyout Gus got at Auburn. I mean, that that's ridiculous, you know. Auburn should have just let him walk and go go home to Arkansas, Gus, you know, because it's so, it's so volatile there anyway. You know, you know that you're going to want to fire him the next year. <laughs> and they do and all that. So, uh, I think that was ridiculous. Jimbo's contract was ridiculous. And, you know, the, the must champ thing kind of pales in comparison to those two things, but – you know, if you're a program like South Carolina and you're kind of in a rebuilding job and, and, and and you know, you don't know whether it's going to go good or bad. See, the problem is in 2018, you looked at it and you were like, well, you know, screw the bowl game because it, it's a bowl game and guys weren't in it and Debo was not there. But you looked at the offense and the way they played most of the season. Now, there were some games they didn't play well. And, again, I'm not talking about the bowl game. And you look and you you saw the big numbers at Clemson and you saw they won a shootout at Ole Miss and, and you saw that they beat Tennessee, you know, and, and you saw that they, you know, they beat Vandy earlier in the year. And, you know, Jake played at a high level for, for six games. And, you know, then you look at the defense and you see that, you know, they had 11 starters out at different points throughout the year and had to play guys that had no business playing. And you thought, well, there's hope on on defense, and he'll get the defense right, and the offense has really found something. Well, then the next year, <laughs> and they hired Thomas Brown, and recruiting's going well. I mean, so, you know, you look at it then, and, and I think that there should have been some caution exercised. But, uh, you know, it just uh, – I, I I also think that at that point it looked like things were heading in the right direction. Um, I do think that, you know, I, I could have, I think a lot of people would have been fine with the, the extension at the time and all that uh, had the, the buyout not just continued to roll on. Cause you know, give the extension, let the buyout go. And I think people would have been fine too, quite frankly, quite frankly, had they beaten uh, Florida and held on in the swamp that year. That's an eight-win season rather than a seven-win season, and with all the injuries on defense, you say it's fine. Um, That still doesn't change the next year and the bottom falling out, but um, I think it would have been fine. Derek, thanks for the email. This has been a great conversation with you guys today. Thomas, you know you get under my skin sometimes, man, but I sure hope you send an email back, and I appreciate you listening. I'll be on JB and Goldwater coming up here pretty soon, in about 52 minutes from now. And um, we'll go from there. All right, this is JC Sherbert. It's been the uh, Inside the Gamecast podcast. Everyone have a great Wednesday.